safety can no longer just be something that's important today. It can't be a goal or a priority that we really need to push to make it a part of our brands, that we need to make sure that it's a part of our values. Ultimately, it does require somebody to go to our senior leaders. It does require somebody to go to our supervisors and push that message. My advice is, why shouldn't it be us? Let's take that charge and make sure that we own it and keep our teams and our people safe. You're listening to the Employee Safety Podcast from Alert Media, a podcast for professionals responsible for the safety and well-being of their employees. Each episode features an interview with a leader in employee safety to discuss how to protect your employees from a wide array of threats. From severe weather to a global pandemic, let's get into the show. Hello, and welcome to the Employee Safety Podcast, where we discuss insights and ideas for how to protect your most valuable asset, your people. I'm your host, Peter Steinfeld, and this week's episode is the second part of a two-part series on loss prevention as it relates to the retail industry. And to help me round out the conversation I began with Jack Britton last time, I'm super excited to be joined today by Chris Hinger. Chris is the Director of Loss Prevention, Corporate Security, and Risk Management at Warby Parker. Chris, welcome. I think you have all the titles and responsibilities at Warby Parker. Don't you let anyone do anything else? Hi, Peter. Thank you for having me today and for the opportunity to speak. And yes, there's quite a few other folks who who would probably like to share some more work as well. So (laughs) thank you again for having me today. Well, it's great to have you on the show. And our focus today is the important topic of loss prevention and safety at Warby Parker. But before we begin, for those who don't know, can you tell our listeners what Warby Parker does, how it's leading the way for socially conscious businesses and your roles there. Sure. So for those who don't know, Warby Parker started just over 11 years ago with the goal to increase access of holistic vision care to help the world to see. And Warby Parker does this in several different ways. First off, we try to offer easy, fun, convenient access to affordable eyewear. It could be glasses. It could be contact lenses as well. We have comprehensive eye exams. We have a home try-on program where we can ship you frames to try on in the comfort of your own home, as well as a virtual try-on and mobile app that you can do over your iPhone 10 or more recently. In relation to Warby Parker being a socially conscious business, the difference between Warby Parker and many organizations was that it was upfront about its active commitment to doing good in the world. So when I was applying for jobs, I identified really quickly with the buy a pair, give a pair program at Warby Parker. And for us at Warby Parker, that meant that for every pair of glasses sold, a pair is distributed to someone in need. So when I was applying for jobs in 2019, and even today for candidates in 2021, I do believe folks are looking for more than just benefits. They are looking to identify with companies who align with their own values as well. And at Warby Parker, we're trying to do that with our own employees as well, the community that we serve. Yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. Yeah. So for my role, I started to your comment about my title. I started in the loss prevention and corporate security department just under two years ago. And as the business continued to grow, my roles did as well. I had an opportunity relatively quickly to join the corporate facilities team and not too long thereafter to work with the risk management team to develop a program that was really strong on communication and partnerships around safety and minimizing risk in our stores and in our offices and then most recently have started to help out with our corporate insurance team as well. Okay, great. Yeah, I think when the company first started, it was all online. And then quickly, there were some stores that, that popped up in a few key locations. Is that right? Correct. The business did grow online. And when I started with the company just under two years ago, we were around 75 stores. We had two corporate offices and an optical lab in the Northeast. And at this point, we're just over 130 stores. And we're hoping relatively soon, we're going to have optical labs, more than just one on the sheets as well. Oh, wow. So a lot more for you to do. Correct. When you did first join a couple of years back, what were some of your key loss prevention goals and how did you spend your first few months implementing them? 
Sure. So when I first started, the main thing I needed to learn and understand were the company core values. So we have eight values. And the goal of that was to say we didn't want to create a program where we wanted to have a goal of option A that didn't align with our core values. So understanding what those represented to our teams, what the kind of DNA of our company was, that was primary in terms of setting our loss prevention goal. So once that was done, it was relatively easy to say we needed to establish business partnerships. We needed to create team goals. We needed to educate those same business partners that we were a business unit that could support the growth of the company. We could do so through profit protection, which included training and awareness. We could do safety conversations. We could even help the organization through investigations. We ultimately started to develop and standardize our policies and procedures. We needed to determine which solution providers were appropriate for achieving our internal goals, who was going to walk with us through that growth, and then ultimately shifting a little bit away from loss prevention and more towards safety, emergency response, crisis management, and business continuity. We had to have really strong and robust plans that reflected that growth of our company. And altogether, one of the things that I recognized when I came is we had a strong program, but it was reflective of a young, growing organization. We needed to have all of these different areas incorporated in the growth of our company, and it needed to be scalable as we continued to grow. And we recognized at that time that if we talked about shrink in traditional loss prevention terms, if we talked about theft, if we just talked about safety, that that wasn't going to be scalable. And we really moved our model towards a total retail loss perspective. So how do we train and keep people aware and minimize all of the loss that we have along the way, not just in kind of the traditional buckets? Yeah, I think as you're growing like crazy, it's one of those things that you can easily overlook. It's like, ah, we'll get to that later. But if you don't do the right things up front, it can really slow down or put brakes on your growth going forward. Absolutely. We were trying to plan for that ahead to, to minimize the brakes as best as possible. Yeah. Okay. Well, last week when we spoke with Jack from Loss Prevention Magazine, he mentioned how difficult the past year has been for the entire retail industry, both overall and related to loss prevention specifically. So with that in mind, what are some of the specific challenges or threats that Warby Parker faces when it comes to keeping employees and the business itself safe? Yeah, specific to the last year, without a doubt, not unlike anybody else, the COVID-19 pandemic has had the largest and most significant impact not only on how we do business, but of course, the safety of our employees, the safety of our customers, and the safety of the community in which we work in. So just over a year ago, on March 14th, we closed all of our retail locations. We wanted to make sure at that time, we closed very early, that safety was prioritized, that we needed to understand at that point what the impact was, what those threats were for our business, for our teams, for the brand. And we recognize what we know today is not the same as what we knew a year ago and how we needed to evolve in those moments and take the information that we were hearing from the CDC, from our peer retailers, from our third-party partners who are seeing that across the board as well. We closed our stores for the better part of two months. We also closed our optical lab. We reorganized that lab to make sure whether it was social distancing or just in general, the safety of how we would come out of COVID-19 in that space, relatively smaller space with lots of people working and moving parts would again be scalable for what 2021 and beyond would look like. Our retail leadership teams allowed us to reopen just over two months later. We were able to redesign our retail experience based on what we knew at COVID-19 at that time. We were able to do so by incorporating social distancing. We were able to put together contact with shopping features. We had, of course, enhanced sanitization protocols. We incorporated team and patient health screenings. And we continue to do so today as we learn how the pandemic has changed over that time. We're happy at this point that all 130 plus of our stores are now opened. And we have done so in a limited capacity with those enhanced safety measures across the country following local and state measures as we go. 
it is without a doubt to your question, what has been the safety impact on Wolby Parker in the past year or overall impact the COVID-19 pandemic and how it represents our company, how it represents the brand and how we keep people safe has been the most important issue to address and tackle. Yeah, without a doubt. And I can imagine with the nature of what you guys do and provide, there's oftentimes close contact between people in the stores and the customer. I mean, like getting glasses, you know, people reach out and they help put them on your face or you've got a mask on and you want to take it off to see what it's going to look like on your face. So there's probably some interesting things that you guys had to do to keep business flowing, but address those specific COVID-19 concerns. Absolutely. Our advisors, exactly as you mentioned, they're constantly in contact with our customers. And it makes a little bit different when you want to be able to style someone and provide them the service that they need. Our doctors as well. So doctors getting even closer to our patients to be able to do a thorough eye exam and provide them with the health screening that they need. So the response has been truly the focus over the past year for our organization as it relates to safety. Yeah, absolutely. Got to keep the employees safe as well as the customers. Otherwise, everything breaks down. Well, when the average person thinks about loss prevention, they probably think about the most common thing, which is theft. But it's actually a lot more than that. Loss prevention seems to have, I would say, morphed into more than just protecting the store and the merchandise. And we learned this with Jack. It's into just asset protection overall, which includes employee safety. Would you say that's accurate? Absolutely, yes. It really connects us back to the earlier comment I made around total retail loss. We're no longer just focused on shrink, no longer just focused on theft. The strategy truly has shifted as an industry. You mentioned asset protection from being maybe singularly reactive and transactional in a moment to forcing a much more significant focus on having a strategy and having proactive plans across many different channels of the business. And for us and for most retailers, safety is absolutely one of those channels. So what do you think are the main reasons for that evolution? So I think the main reason, Peter, truly is the amount of risk that has increased for our frontline workers whether in the stores or in our corporate offices, trying to keep people safe. Whether it's ORC, organized retail crime, we see much more abusive and aggressive customers, both verbally and physically in our stores. We know theft still exists. It will still be a a core function of any loss prevention or asset protection program. But as it relates to safety, these areas truly are being seen every single day in our stores. And that evolution will continue. I think we're currently seeing a migration, you'll see it in some departments, to more of a profit protection in order to say we're not just looking at shrink. We are looking at ways to preserve all of the income that the company is earning. And in doing so, the number one priority is keeping our folks safe, whether it's our customers or our employees. I like the way that you you twist that a little bit from loss prevention to profit protection, because that's really ultimately what it's all about. If you can't be profitable, you can't be in business. Everything just shuts down and that impacts everybody. Absolutely. You are correct. All right. Well, let's talk about some solutions here. So considering all the threats and challenges we've discussed earlier, how has Warby Parker evolved its overall safety culture? And what are the next steps for you and the team? In my two years at Warby Parker, I look back as well as the program going forward, and we want to operate with the idea that we have clear and timely communication, and we do so with accurate information anytime that we're talking about safety. And we do so in looking in two different buckets. The first is general safety. We want to make sure our employees know how to manage some foundational concerns, some foundational scenarios. It could be how do you get through a hurricane in the southeast during the summer? It could be how do you navigate through a snowstorm and ice in the northeast during the winter? It could be don't mix hazardous and chemical materials at any time while you're at work or at home. We want to make sure that that message is distributed to all of our teams in retail, to our teams in the corporate office, as well as our optical lab in upstate New York. We want to make sure that they have that proper information at all times. In order to do so, we have created new hire orientations to provide that information. And we also do so, as I mentioned, with the most likely scenarios and trying to do so in a role-playing scenario. Get people uncomfortable in that moment so that they're comfortable 
when the real scenario happens. Oh, I like that. Wait, say that again. That's awesome. Get people <laughs> uncomfortable in the moment so they're more comfortable when the real scenario happens. That's fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. Role-playing is goofy. It's awkward. It's not fun. But I'd rather <laughs> you be goofy and awkward with me than in the moment when when you need to be thinking about yeah. how to keep yourself and others safe. Yep. And we've also introduced safety spotlights into our organization. We're going to have a different topic every month in our retail stores. And then soon we'll have that in our corporate offices and our optical lab. We also shift into emergency response and crisis management and business continuity when we talk about the future. As I started here, we wanted to make sure our plans were current, that they reflected the threats, not only from a physical safety perspective that Warby Parker had, whether in stores or offices, but some of the more technical threats that we see at the world at large right now. We wanted to make sure that we had templates in place, communication templates. We recognized, again, going back to kind of the role-playing scenario, but on a bigger scale, we didn't want to spend time in the moment trying to figure out what we were going to say when something happened and spend more time actually responding to that action or to whatever yeah. that concern was. We started to inform and create business continuity groups, making sure our key business partners were aware that if something was to happen, they would receive a specific communication. They would know they should read that. They should respond to that and provide the appropriate direction for their teams as needed in that moment. We wanted to make sure that we were limiting the amount of email threads that were happening in those moments, whether it was an emergency that we were responding to or an actual crisis. We found that too many threads limited the amount of timely response that we could do in those moments, and then the amount of channels that were going on. Too many different channels in which people could communicate that we have as an organization, and many of those too. So ultimately, what we've tried to do, and we're doing more so as we look toward the future, Peter, is using Alert Media as that platform for both our communication channel, for the templates that we're using, and for the people who are on that app for us. Well, that's fantastic. I mean, obviously, confusion reigns when emergencies strike. And if you can't get control of that confusion quickly through good, solid, short communications, then it just makes things that much more difficult. So it's great that you guys are moving in that direction. Yeah, absolutely. So let's talk just a little bit more about that. How do emergency communication solutions fit into your overall preparedness and response efforts? So so for us at Warby Parker, the Alert Media app has come into play several different times. Most recently, there was a bomb in downtown Nashville on Christmas Day in 2020. How that impacted us is that we have a corporate office in downtown Nashville, as well as two retail stores not too terribly far away from there. Unfortunately, with the holiday, it added some additional challenges of trying to connect with folks who may be in the area or may, who may have been traveling due to the holiday. So like many other organizations, our priority was to locate our teams, contact them, and confirm their safety as quickly as possible. We pulled the templates that I referenced a few moments ago. We were able to assemble the teams that we referenced and to start that process immediately. We used Alert Media. We sent a survey to our teams and we asked two questions. Do you require medical attention or I don't require a medical attention? And that way we knew very quickly what we needed to sort out in terms of the emergency response. We were very fortunate that our teams from the retail locations as well as our corporate offices replied to that survey, not needing medical attention across the board. And so we shifted in that moment from an emergency response into a business continuity mode. All of this happening within probably a matter of an hour, taking time to get people to respond on an early morning holiday, typically a challenge, just being able to check phones and getting the responses that we needed. Once we did get that information, we sent out an additional survey because we knew based on that blast, communication was out, internet outage were significant, power outages were significant, and we needed to know how people were going to do their work as we move forward, whether they were scheduled that day or for the following week. We wanted to be able to see what their availability was, and then ultimately how we could shift resources at Warby Parker to either assist them 
to be able to do their job or be able to understand that they needed to take time to take care of themselves or their families and that we could process from a business perspective outside of Nashville as normal. And that's how we used Alert Media most recently. We knew that that blast was a significant impact on the community. We wanted to make sure we could minimize the stress just a little bit. And it was a small part. It was people's jobs versus their overall lives. But we believed and we felt that with that quick response and being able to use your program, we were able to do so appropriately. That's a great example. I mean, I think you summed it up really well, which is anytime there's an emergency like that, it's human safety first, then business viability second. Because if humans aren't safe, they can't do their job and therefore the business won't be viable. So the faster you can reach out to people, make sure that they're okay, the faster they can get back to work. So it's a win-win situation. Absolutely. And and look, we understand in this day and age that if you don't care for folks, organizations, family members who don't care for others, they're not going to do well. Word of mouth spreads not only when you're looking for a job, but when you're staying in a job and the retention that goes with it. We want our teams to enjoy the company they work for and in doing so understand that the company cares for their personal safety, whether they're at work or in this case, they might not have been at work. We wanted to make sure that they were doing well so that when they came back, they were focused on their job and not having to worry about things happening outside of those four walls. That's right. And if they're not okay, getting them the help that they need so they can get back on their feet faster. Yeah. 100%. Okay, fantastic. Well, we like to end each episode by asking our guests to give our audience a practical tip or even a lesson learned that they could take back to their organizations to make an immediate impact. So with that in mind, in your opinion, what can our listeners do today to help improve their company's safety culture or business continuity efforts? I say this maybe is advice more than a tip and, and understanding that we're a relatively small organization as it relates to maybe some of your listeners or other retail organizations. But that advice would be, if you haven't, immediately start. And if you have, continue to push to your senior leaders a message of safety, the safety awareness and safety programs, but also in doing so in combination with technology. In in my 20 plus years of this industry, I recognize that LP professionals are always going. They're working 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And in this past year, communication has continued to increase. The job load hasn't continued to increase, even if we're not in stores or that we're not in offices, but there's no additional time. So as an industry, we've put together programs to be more efficient. It could be operating in a cloud environment so that you're not spending time having to download information that you seek, searching for information that you seek. It could be a retailer who's incorporated RFID into their inventory management program so that they're not spending time out on the sales floor looking for out of stocks and trying to find an item for a customer. It is about that efficiency. And I think our industry has done very well to use and incorporate technology into loss prevention. But the advice here is to do the same for your safety program, to make sure you're engaging your vendors around mass communication. It could be around threat intelligence in 2021, understanding that that threat may be halfway around the world and that you just don't know it. Having timely and accurate information is key and making sure that you're going to your senior leaders to really push that program. I think as an industry, loss prevention has always been important. It's always been deemed as critical for businesses. But I think in the past year, we've had a little bit more access because of the heightened awareness around the COVID-19 pandemic with our senior leaders, not only at Warby Parker, but with many other organizations. And I think it's key that we take advantage of that and move forward to be able to say to our leaders, to say to our peers, and to really push ourselves as colleagues in the industry is that safety can no longer just be something that's important today. It can't be a goal or a priority that we really need to push to make it a part of our brands, that we need to make sure that it's a part of our values. Ultimately, it does require somebody to go to our senior leaders. It does require somebody to go to our supervisors and push that message. My advice is, why shouldn't it be us? Let's take that charge and make sure that we own it and keep our teams and our people safe. 
Yeah. I mean, sage advice, make it part of the culture and it will improve business overall. Correct. Well, Chris, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate all your time and expertise. I know it runs deep. So if anyone listening has follow-up questions or just wants to connect with you, what's the best way for them to find you out there? The easiest way is through LinkedIn. I'm on LinkedIn at Chris Hinger, H-I-N-G-E-R, or, or feel free to, to send me an email at chris.hinger at warbyparker.com. And Peter, thank you so much for, for having me today. It's been a pleasure to chat with you and spend some time talking a little bit more about the industry in which I work and, and the safety programs in general. Oh, you bet. Well, thanks again, everyone, for listening to the Employee Safety Podcast. And this concludes our loss prevention series. Thanks again to Chris for being with us today. And thanks to Jack for being with us last week. And then for the rest of you out there, remember, nothing ever goes 100% according to plan in an emergency. So communication is incredibly important. If you can't communicate, you can't recover. Until next time. Alert Media is changing the way your leaders and response teams connect and communicate effectively when seconds matter. We provide our customers with a comprehensive solution for monitoring threats around the world and deploying fast, effective emergency communication. You need a panic-proof solution for high-stakes moments. In just a few clicks, your team can send a multi-channel notification to an impacted group of people and confirm their safety immediately. When employee safety is at stake, don't just communicate. Connect and confirm with a robust emergency communication solution. Visit alertmedia.com for more information. You've been listening to the Employee Safety Podcast. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. If you're listening in Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to give a quick rating of the show. Just tap the number of stars you think the podcast deserves. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.